have a great deal of respect and admiration for anybody that serves in the armed forces. Amen? But if you, uh, you think about those uh, special ops divisions like the Navy SEALs, you think about how amazing the training is, the intensity of the preparation that they go through is and what they're asked to do. And part of that, part of the intensity of their training is for this purpose. When they are called upon in, a, in an especially dangerous and hostile situation, they're going to have bullets flying over their head. They're going to have dirt and mud and rocks in their eyes and up their nose. They're going to be crawling in darkness through smoke. Crawling through a pipe with water maybe halfway up that pipe with inclement weather around them. And they have to train like that because they need to keep a laser-sharp focus in the most difficult of circumstances. Can you imagine? And we complain about going to bed late and getting up early for work in the morning. Amen? I mean, can you imagine what these men and women go through to prepare for those kind of situations? Well, I want, you, I want to ask you to think about this. Have you ever been in a situation so difficult that you found yourself disoriented. You found yourself almost, it gets blurry, doesn't it? That you find yourself getting dizzy. There's bullets flying around you. Maybe not literally, but it feels like you're getting shot at all around you. The wind's howling all around you. It feels like a storm is howling all around you. You've got people in your face giving you advice or, 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 or accusing you of things and everything, like I said, just becomes a blur sometimes. That's the way it is, isn't it, sometimes? That's the way it feels when we're going through things in life. We forget why we're here and what it is we're supposed to be doing. Well, today we're finishing up our series in James chapter 1 called This is Hard. And last time we talked about something very important. We need to realize, God says, that when we're going through an intense and difficult time, so we've got to be careful, very careful to be watching our response to that situation. And really we kind of focused on last time in James 1 that, that many times we've got to be careful about negative responses. That when I'm in an, a very, very difficult situation, I've got to be careful that I don't let some of those negative things come out of me. But today, as we come to God's Word and finishing out James chapter 1 and verse 27, we want to take it in a different direction. God's message to us is not just don't do dumb things or, or don't do hurtful things while you're going through a, a, a difficult situation, but He also wants to remind us of some positive things that He wants us to remember as we are going through difficulty. When you're facing difficulty, it is extremely easy to forget why you're here and what it is you're supposed to be doing. Isn't that true? So we're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 27, as we finish up this series of messages together. I want to talk about this. Keep your focus in your trial. As you're going through, some of us right here, right now, are going through one of the most difficult periods of your life. God is trying to challenge us as you're going through that to be very careful because there's some things that He wants your life to be about and He doesn't want you to forget about those things. Or maybe you've got one coming. And God's preparing your heart for when that difficulty comes down the road that you're going to be ready for it because you've studied God's Word here in James chapter 1. God says that when chaos is swirling around and everything's getting blurry, 
I want to give you two things to hold on to and remember. By the way, I'll just share with you, these are two things that Pastor Robbie personally thinks of when I'm going through difficulty. And I, I don't know if I've ever really quite identified it as clearly because this week, having gone through this, uh, these verses together, God really began to show me, you know what? I don't know if I realize it, but these are really two principles that I cling to when I'm going through situations like that in my life. First of all, you are here to help other people. Especially your life has been planted here to help the hurting. Let's look at verse 27. God says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God, in the sight of our God and Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress or in their trouble, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, if we go back to what we studied together last time in uh, verses 19 through 26, we talked about watch your response when you're going through a trial. Watch some of the negative things that are so quick to come up in a trial. We specifically talked about watch, uh, watch your anger. Remember we talked about that? That it's very easy to get angry and to let your human, man, ang- uh, uh, human anger to come out, which is very destructive. And God said, be careful about that. I hope that was helpful to you. We talked about in those verses to watch your actions, watch your behavior. Make sure that what you're doing is in line with God and that you're living out being the person that He's taught you to be. Then we talked about watch your mouth. Watch your words. Be very careful about how you use your mouth in a difficult situation. So we said somebody who carelessly uses their mouth, especially in a difficult situation is someone whose religion or whose relationship with God is not worth much. That's what the Bible says. If in difficult times, I just let all kinds of nasty stuff spill out of my mouth, I've got to ask myself if I really have a very close relationship with God. But after that, here in verse 27, it brings us around to what true religion or a true relationship with God really looks like. I don't know about you, but that's kind of a wow for me. The Bible is telling me, if you truly want to demonstrate that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, here is what it looks like to truly be a follower of God. Now, before we read that, or before we dig into that, isn't that interesting to you? If God said to you, I want to show you in one verse what it means To really be a follower of mine, wouldn't you say, what is it? Amen? What is it? What is it that is evidence that I'm a follower of God? It says pure religion. The kind of, I don't prefer the translation of religion here. It's it's kind of in English, it's kind of a way of encapsulating. I shared with you last time, the word basically means a person who fears God, okay? So it's saying pure, a pure person, a pure of heart, right response to God, a sincere Genuine, clean response to God. One that is undefiled. One that is, is not stained, is not polluted by a, or contaminated by a pollutant. And one that is real before God. Now, don't you think about that for just a moment. If you were standing before God right now, and one day the Bible says that each one of us is going to. If you were standing before God right now, and He were examining your life, He would know what's what. Amen? He would know what's true. 
He would know what's good. He would know what's valid. He would know what's genuine. The Bible says if you want to know, if you were standing in God's, if you were standing near God right now, if you were standing beside God, if you were standing in front of Him right now, and God can see what is true and what is right, if you and I say that we have a close relationship with God, if you were living your life like what we're about to read, God would agree with you that you are a person who truly has a close relationship with Him. Isn't that incredible? Basically what God is saying, friends, I don't know, you guys don't seem excited yet. Can I get an amen? amen? If I were reading the Bible and found out this is what God says is a true follower of God, I'd get kind of excited about that. He said, this is what a for real person looks like. It would be a person who would visit, and it's actually more descriptive than that, a person who would Watch out for a person who would take care of, because visit sounds kind of easy, doesn't it? So that's a little bit of an unfortunate trend. Visit sounds like I go see people in the nursing home every once in a while, and that's a good thing, right? But it's more than stopping by for a visit. This word says that a true follower of God is a person that watches out for, a person that cares about, and takes care of orphans and widows in the struggles that they face in life. Wow, amen? That is what shows that I am truly a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but these are shocking words to me. These are potentially life-altering words as I read them. Helping other people, especially the hurting, exemplified by orphans and widows, is one of the greatest indicators that I have a personal relationship with God. And you might be like me, because what I, as I think about those statements, here's how I feel. That's great, but as I think about the point of this series, to some extent it doesn't make any sense to me at all. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know about you, but, but during some of the most intense trials of my life, if you told me, when I was struggling the most in my life, that, Robbie, the point of your life is to help other people. I've got to be honest with you. Had some of the toughest struggles in my life, if you came up and said those words to me, I would have laughed. I would have literally laughed. I would have said, are you kidding me? I am about like the, as close to death as I've ever been in my life, whether literally or figuratively, amen? Whether physically or spiritually or emotionally, and you come and tell me that the purpose of my life is to help somebody else? Honestly? Are you serious? I'm curled up here in a ball and you're asking me to sign up to make cotton candy for kids at Vacation Bible School? Amen? I mean, I'm just being real. Amen? That's my first response to what God is saying to us here. But I think we need to understand something. We immediately interpret these words of helping other people as a, as a typical kind of ministry that we see happen. And so what we, think of, what we think is, okay, there's a typical kind of ministry that happens in this world for other people. And so what you're saying to me is that if I'm really a follower of God, I'm supposed to get up and go do some of that. Right? 
That's the way it feels like. That's the way it comes across. And to be honest with you, sometimes that is true. Sometimes in the middle of my ashes, I need to just get up and go make some beauty. Amen? You with me? Sometimes. By faith, I just stand up and trust God that even though life is difficult, that I'm going to let God use me anyway. Amen? How can I be honest with you about something? In the, in the middle of doing this series, I have seen improvement in my health. And God's just been speaking to my life, you know, about, well, that's the way it works, amen? That's the way it works, that, you know what, we just trust God and let Him use us. Now, there's been other moments when I couldn't have stood up no matter how bad I wanted to, amen? But to the extent that I have the ability to let God use me, then let God use me. And sometimes I find the healing in the midst of trusting God like that. Amen? But what we're talking about, really, are times of intensity. We're talking about gut punchers. Times in your life, if you're not even sure if you're ever going to recover. And here's what I believe God is, first of all, saying, because we're going to get to that that more specific part about the widows and the orphans and that specific ministry. But I believe, first of all, what God would say to us is if you are in a real time of intensity where you can't even drag yourself out of the ashes to go try to make some beauty through your life, that just like those Navy SEALs who've been trained to have a razor-sharp focus in in combat, listen to me very carefully, in the midst of your difficult most difficult times in life, even if you cannot do much to help other people, make sure that you're thinking about the impact of your life on other people as you're responding to those trials. Did you hear me? That even if you aren't in a place in your life where you can maybe in a visible way make, a, make much of an impact, you know, just based on what you feel like is a, is a valid difference in somebody else's life even if you aren't at that point god says to us even in the most intense times of your life never lose sight of the fact that your life is here to make a difference in the lives of others so let's play that out for just a moment next week let's say you're going through a very difficult and intense time it's okay to struggle isn't it doesn't the bible say it? we're people amen it's okay to, it's a, is it, do you have bad days? Do you have bad days? Like some Christians, some pastors think we're not supposed to have bad days. I have bad days, amen? Now, there's a difference between getting in the floor and having a fit bad day, right? There's a difference between wallowing in it, but some days I don't feel good. Some days I don't like it. Some days it's too cold for me. Some days it's too hot for me. Sometimes the water's not, you know, doesn't taste right. Sometimes why don't they serve, amen? Sometimes there are just tough times. And it's okay to struggle. It's okay to get your counseling. It's okay to go to your doctor's appointment. It's okay to, to, to have that uh, visit with your spouse or your, or your child and talk things out. But in the midst of that struggle, never lose sight of the fact that ultimately my life is here to make a difference in the lives of other people. Everyone that I am encountering in my life needs the Lord. And needs to see God. So even if you are going through one of the hardest situations in your life, just like one of those Navy SEALs that has been trained to stay focused, here's one thing for you to grab hold of. Okay, Robbie. It's tough today. Amen. 
This is one of those days. We're going we're to be in a battle today. This is going to be a fight probably from beginning to end. Don't forget that your life is not your own. That you are not just here for yourself. That you need to be paying attention to your family that's around you. To your doctors, to, to, to your co-workers, to your friends at school, to your neighbors. Let's just give you an example. Let's say I have a no good, very bad day here at the office. Let's say two or three people come in and chew me out and I'm mad about it. Let's say I go home and my neighbor's sitting out on his porch and I slam my door. And I say I hate my job. You know what? In a few minutes, I'll be over, right? I'll settle down. I'll watch a little sports center. You know, I'll settle down a little bit. But guess what? My neighbor doesn't know that, right? So here's what I'm talking about. When I'm having a no good, very bad day, and a couple of people have chewed me out, and y'all don't chew me, I'm just kidding. But a couple of people, let's say somebody did something like that, or, or somebody cut me off in traffic, and I get home, and I'm mad about it. When I want to slam that door, I see my neighbor sitting on his porch, Amen. I think, oh, I really want to slam this door. I really want to slam a door. Amen? Many times I catch myself. I care more about him and her than I do about relieving that pressure. Slamming that door. Amen? That's what we're talking about. So a general guideline is that we are here to help others. Never forget that. And friends, this is encouraging. If you start thinking like that, that is evidence that you are a child of God and that you have the right focus. That should be encouraging to you. But on top of that, God gives us here some specifics that I think are important for all of us as believers to pay attention to. God calls His people to pay attention to the vulnerable, to the innocent, to the weak, to the hurting, to the defenseless, to people who maybe can't help themselves or are being taken advantage by others. I want to pause right here for just a moment. Share some things with you because God has been stirring in my heart as your pastor about this. For quite some time. Let me just kind of put it straight to you. Two things I want to share with you. First of all, God's people should do more doing. Now that may not be correct English, but it, it gets the point across. Amen? God's people should do more doing. Now wait just a minute. God's people should be doing more talking too. There needs to be, there's a famine of the Word of God in our land. Amen? So we need to do more spreading the good news. We need to do more. Here's what God's Word says, because many of our people in our land do not know what the Word of God says. So I'm not saying that we should stop speaking the Word, but even though the Word does go out some, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians speak it a lot, but a lot of us are not doing it near enough. Secondly, God's people should be doing that in the lives of people who are hurting. Listen to what Jesus said about that in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. So get this picture. God's coming back one day. It says, All the nations are going to be gathered down before Him. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Then the King will say to those on His right, to His children, to the sheep, Come, you who are, come, you who are blessed of My Father, 
inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to what he says. Here's the evidence that they were his kids. Not what they did to earn being his kids, but here's the evidence to show that they were his kids. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous, those that are his children, are going to say, Lord, when did we do that? When did we help people who were sick or or hurting? You kind of get the impression here that it is just so intuitive to a real child of God that, that you wouldn't have, that, that we would almost, what else would we have been doing? Amen? What else would, what do you mean? You act like we did something special, Lord. He, say, he says, no, I'm just trying to point out to you that you were doing exactly what I wanted you to do. He says, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it, even to the, to one of the least of these, my brothers, even the least of them, you did it to me. Wow. There are people in this world who are hurting. By the way, there's a bunch of them sitting right here all together right now. Amen. God says whether they come to us, whether they become part of our growth groups, whether they get involved in children's ministry, whether they come to church, whether they're out in the foyer after the service here in just a moment, or whether they never walk through the doors of this building, God wants us to be looking here and all around for people who need Him. So New Hope, that's why we have some big, hairy, audacious goals that we're shooting for. One of those is that we want to be known as servants in our area. The others of those is that we're praying about some other places around the world that we can go make a difference like that. And let me just make that real for you. We saw at the beginning of the service some pictures, and we heard some stories about people that went to a real country. It's called the Dominican Republic. It's a real country. It doesn't seem real because you've never been there, right? Many of us have never been there. It doesn't seem real to you, but if you get on a plane, you can get there. You can walk on a place called the Dominican Republic, and there are people that don't have houses. And we went. You paid part of the portion of their trip so that they could go. You prayed so that they could go and be blessed and in three days build a house for somebody. There are people who needed something that was so simple it could be done in a few days. And God was able to work through us to change somebody's life forever. For the rest of this life. And there's two men that went to church the next weekend. Because if that God would do this for us, then maybe we need to think about Him and seek out Him a little bit more. Isn't that awesome? We're praying about some of the next steps that God is calling us to. The Dominican, Guatemala. We've had the door open to Guatemala. That uh, building houses there. Or clean water. That's something else that we're praying about. There are people in this world that have to walk by. That's why when I went to Kenya, I try not to be a hard case about this at my house, but I can't stand seeing water turned on. I can't stand seeing water turned on. And I said, you know, everybody's got their little thing. I let lights stay on, but some, for some reason water bothers me. Okay, well, I'll tell you why water bothers me. Because I saw people in Kenya walk for miles with buckets on their head. That's what they spend their day doing, just going getting water. So now it's hard for me to see water running. 
Because somebody had to walk miles. There are people that might walk miles and, and the water's no good. It's going to kill them. We have people that go on trips to their countries and get sick and come back and have to get treated for it because their water is not any good. What do they do? They die many times. They get dehydrated and they die from just having bad water. That bothers me, amen? It doesn't bother me enough. I haven't done enough about it. But we're going to, amen? We're going to. It's very simple, actually. It doesn't cost a lot. You could say anybody could do it, but not everybody is doing it. But we're going to do it, amen? Because God says it bothers Him when people are hurting. Now listen, we better do more than just give people water because if we just give them water and don't give them Christ, the living water, we're just going to help them be more comfortable in this life but not get prepared for eternity. So certainly we want to share the good news about Christ, but if someone is dehydrated and can't live because they're dying physically, it's hard to say, can I share with you about Jesus? Amen? God even talks about that in His Word. His heart is for the hurting clothes closet we do school of palooza this week it was awesome did you go it was awesome i mean they they said that there was 1500 people last year they said there were more people this year i mean i don't know how many people there were but it was packed full of people incredible to see 8 10 12 churches come together to do something where hopefully people leave and say you know what there were kids they were super excited about those backpacks those kids were so excited about getting those backpacks. I was even telling somebody, we give out so many backpacks, what if we start a fashion trend? What if everybody goes back to school this year and says, hey, you got a school full of backpacks. Hey, i got a school full of What if they start calling us and you have some more backpacks because my kid wants to be cool, amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? More stuff like that. Crisis Pregnancy Center. Somebody shared with me this past week that God's put on their heart. And so when I was at School of Palooza, the lady who heads up the crisis break said, thank you for some of your people coming over and helping us. Because we're ministering to young women who need hope and who need help. Foster care, adoption, single moms, widows. We're talking uh, with our men's ministry. We, 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 we identified last year at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. There's a ministry that helps train churches better minister to single moms and widows in their church. We're not doing perfect at that by any means. Amen. We want to get better because it matters to us. I think what God is saying is, this is what I want you to be about. Listen, even in the midst of your own broken life. This is what I want you to be about. As much as you are able, help those who are hurting. And to be honest with you, friends, if I could share a little secret with you, I think this is really what the Christian life is about. I think it's what it's about. Because if you wait until your life is straight to go help somebody else, guess what? You're going to die. You're going to die. You're never going to help anybody else. I think what the Christian life is really all about is I'm broken. And I'm never going to get completely fixed in this life. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm growing, that God's working in my life, that, that some good things are happening, but I'm not going to wait. As one of the Proverbs says, to paraphrase it, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never do anything. So while I'm broken, and sometimes I need to get off the path and let some ministry come my way, right? But as much as I'm able, I want to be a part of helping other people. I really believe that is what life is about. And I think God is saying, 
and not just helping other people, but there's some specific people that God wants us reaching out to that maybe we need to think about more. So here I am. My life is hard sometimes. Okay, it's all right to struggle, amen? Lord, in the midst of my struggle, help me to be actively involved in helping others. Especially considering those who are hurting the most. There's something else in this verse. There's two things I said. There's two things for you to think about. First of all, he says he wants us to be helping other people. Especially those who are the most vulnerable, the most hurting, the most innocent. The second thing he says in the last part of verse 27 is for you to stay close to God. Verse 27, it says, uh, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Listen. He says, this is getting it. First of all, it's what we just talked about. To help other people, especially giving special consideration to those who are in the most dire situations. And he says something else. So that means pure and undefiled religion before God. Getting it? Understanding what it's all about is about that, but it's also about keeping oneself unstained by the world. Staying close to God. One day, when I stand before God, I want to have confidence that that I got it. That I understood what God expected. Amen? Not, Not that I'm perfect. Not that I know the whole Bible from cover to cover and every verse can quote it and find it, but but then I got it, that I understood basically what it was that God wanted me to be about. And if I do, that means I was seriously considering keeping myself unspotted or unstained by this messed up world around me. Years ago, I read a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. Many of you have probably read that book, an excellent book. I would highly encourage you to read it. I've heard that that book has never gone out of print since it started being printed in the 1600s. And in that period, my understanding is that it is the most widely read book besides the Bible. So that kind of tells you it's, it's, it's a pretty good book, amen? Okay, it was written by a pastor. It's an allegory about the Christian life. The reason it's so powerful is because it, it, it just pictorially in your mind, you can almost see yourself walking through life. And he's facing all these. And what happens is, is dangers and challenges and difficulties and struggles that we face, temptations that we face in life are kind of personified. So here's this guy named Christian and he's walking through life and he's facing all the things that you and I face. So it really just kind of brings it to life. It just kind of pops. Here's someone that's showing how to walk with God through the dangers of life. I think about that book often, especially as I've kind of hit that point in life that they call, some people have called it halftime. Don't get me wrong, I ain't picking out my cemetery plot yet, all right? I'm still good, all right? I can still take some of you, all right? After the service, you want to arm wrestle, I can still take some of you. Even some of the young ones, I can still take them. (laughs) But there is something about halftime, isn't there? ever watch a football game there's something about halftime isn't there a lot can happen in the second half a lot of amazing 
Make the game all make sense and come together and worth it, even though it was messed up at the beginning, can happen in the second half. That's what I always say when my team's down 31 to nothing in the first half. Well, if the other team could score 31 in the first half, then why can't we score 31 or possibly two? Amen? And you see it happen very often. Lots of cool things can happen in the second half. On the other hand, if you're that 31 to nothing team and you lose 32 to 31, you can say, wow, we, we started off so well. What happened in the second half? I think that halftime gives you some perspective. And here's what I've begun realizing. I think some of you older people are going to say, nice job catching up. Some of the younger people might say, oh, Pastor, you're talking that old group, old people language. I don't want to hear this. I'm about to go to college. I don't want to hear it. I'm just starting high school. Listen, just indulge the old people for just a moment, okay? Because there's something to pacing yourself. There's something to thinking about things. There's something to looking at a bigger picture. Here's what I'm learning in that period of my life. Life is very challenging. Amen? It is hard. There are a lot of hard, hard, hard things. In fact, it is impossible to maneuver through all the minefields of this life on your own. Especially young person, please hear that. Because we tend to want to convince ourselves, I can do it. Y'all might be kind of struggling a little bit, but I, I think I see things pretty clearly. We all feel like that when, we're, that when we're young. Amen? But if you can listen to the wisdom of some of those people that have been a little bit further, they're going to tell you, it goes by fast. And it comes at you fast. Amen? Just a few years, your life can change dramatically. And i got to be honest with you, for all of us, whether we're young, middle, or older, on your own, you're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. That's why Christ came. Because we need, we need, we need a God to come do something for us. We needed Him to come defeat all of our enemies. Sin and death and all this pain and hurt and destruction. So Christ came and did that. He not only defeated, but we needed somebody to, to, to wipe our slate clean because we weren't ready. We're not ready to stand before God. We're not ready to have a relationship with Him. So Christ came to die on that cross for us and to defeat what would have destroyed us so that we would have hope that because He rose from the dead, if we trust in Him, that we can have the kind of life that He offers. We can have eternal life. Life that starts now and lasts forever and ever. Praise His name. Amen. But even with God, it's going to be hard. Maybe even sometimes because of God in your life. Isn't that true? Because you've chosen to follow Jesus, life is going to be hard. If you are going to be able to find and fulfill the purpose that God gave for your life, you have to give your life to God. And you have to fully trust Him and follow Him. Think about that statement. If you give your life to God to the extent that you choose to obey Him, 
you can find and fulfill more fully the purpose that he has for your life. Think about that. There's an opportunity before you. First of all, to give your life to God. If you have not given your life to God, look no further. Don't try to clean up your life. Don't try to figure out what's going on. Fall on your knees and say, Dear God, have mercy on me. I need you to save me and come into my life and be my Savior. That's your first step. But if you have decided to follow God and given your life to Him, now it's a choice of how fully am I going to choose to obey Him. What I'm saying to you is, to the extent that you do choose to obey Him, that's the extent to which you're going to find and fulfill His purpose for your life. So that brings us to verse 27. In other words, I want to know why God put me here on this earth. Amen? And I've made a lot of mistakes in life. And there's a lot of dangers in this life. But it is my desire to the best of my ability with God's help that I want to live my life completely dedicated to God. I don't want there to be anything in my life that would hinder or destroy what God intends to do in or through me. Is that your desire? I'm going to say it again. Is it your intention that there not be anything in your life that would hinder or destroy what God is intending to do in and through you. That's why he gives us verse 27. He says, this is, this is getting it. It's to keep yourself unstained by the world. Now, those of you that want to translate that into perfect, guess what? Nobody can do that. Okay, so if that's what it's asking for, nobody can do that. That's not what he's talking about, okay? You just jumped over what I shared earlier. The reason Christ came is because nobody can be perfect. So that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is, now that I've given my life to God, I want to minimize the damage from here on out, amen? So yes, I'm going to have trip-ups. Yes, I'm going to have problems. But I want God to limit those as much as possible so that he can do as much as he wants to do through my life. And especially, he's telling us that when you're going through difficult times, listen, it's easy to forget this. Don't forget, Robbie, I had no good, very bad day. If I go kicking it down my my road because I'm just mad and I don't care who knows about it. First of all, I'm in danger in the lives of kids on my street. Amen? I swing into my driveway. I don't care what my neighbor thinks. Slam the door. First of all, I could bust the windshield, and there's another 150, 200 bucks. Amen? I'm just digging a deeper hole. Amen? So in those moments, and I had one this week. I had one. I had a, I'm in a hurricane. I'm spinning. I'm about to say, I don't care who sees it, and I'm just going to say and do what I want to do moment. God reminded me. You guys are like, Pastor Robbie, we didn't know. Man, you got problems. You need some counseling. Amen, I do. I do, and so do you. I'm just being honest. And God reminded me of two things in that hurricane of a moment. There are people around you who are watching your life. And I have things for you, so let's don't burn them down right now here in this moment. You hear me? So let's just take a deep breath. Say a prayer. And ask God what He wants to do right now. 
Isn't that helpful? Because if I didn't have that instruction, I'd have just had my fit. And maybe God would have given me grace and nobody saw it. But eventually, if I have enough fits, eventually God's going to let somebody see it. He's going to let it just kind of... So I'm so glad that God understands. But I want to be about what He wants me to be about. Even when, and maybe even since, life is so hard. Because if I'm waiting for it to get better, I'm never going to get things right. I wonder if God is speaking to you about something in your life. Listen, if you're in that, I mean, life is just kind of just ratcheting down on you. God bless you. Nobody's saying go sign up to do cotton candy at VBS. Okay, no, that's not what we're saying. Nobody's saying go be a greeter even though you hate everything about life right now and you might be ugly to somebody. Nobody's saying that. In those moments, maybe we do need to back off sometimes and be ministered to. If I'm waiting for life to get all straight and everything and and just, you know, kind of smooth sailing, I'm never going to make a difference in anybody's life. And I'm going to destroy a lot of good things that God wants to do in my life. So I think what I've kind of come to is I just got to deal with it. It's going to be hard. I don't mean that to be pessimistic. Because I'm very optimistic. But... If I'm expecting it to get easy, that's unrealistic. So in the midst of my difficulty, why don't I go find out somebody that I can be a blessing to? Especially maybe someone who's hurting even more than me right now. Because God has a heart for me, but He has a heart for them as well. Maybe you're that person that's just laying in the floor having the fit right now. Hey, you know what? You and God will get over it. You, you, God, will get, God will get a hold of your heart. You'll say you're sorry. You'll ask for forgiveness. You'll repent in a service like this. But those people that were watching, your neighbor that saw you knock your window out when you slammed the door, he didn't see all that. Amen? So would you ask God to help you not to be destroying what He's wanting to do in your life while you're in the midst of that tornado? Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're not a Christian. And there's no shame in that tonight. Maybe you've never heard. Maybe you never knew. Maybe whatever. The thing that would be too bad is to find out that He wants to forgive you. He wants to save you and to turn away from that right now. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. Maybe some other decision. Maybe you're ready to go public as a follower of Jesus. Maybe that's your next step. You need to be baptized. Maybe you need to partner together with this church. You've been to our discovery class and you know this is where God wants you to be and it's time for you to, whatever it is. Maybe there's some sin in your life, whatever it is. Just bow before the Lord for a few moments as we wrap up our time here. And let's ask God to speak to us. Maybe for you it's this. God, I know there's going to be something next Thursday. I know there's going to be something next week, but I don't know what day it's coming. So I ask you to mark it, to engrave it in my brain and in my heart right now. I am here to help others, especially those most hurting. God, I want to stay close to you. 
Those are the two things I'm hanging on to in that, in that turmoil next week. Because God, like a Navy SEAL, I want to be trained for the battle. Because you're worth it, God. You're worth it to be ready, to be disciplined, to live in a purposeful and intentional way. If you've never given your life to Christ, there's going to be a prayer that you could express up on the screen. You could pray that prayer, or you could pray after me. I'm going to I'm going to lift up a prayer right now. You could say, "Dear God, I know I need you to be my Savior, and I know I've made a mess of my life. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross for me. I thank you that you rose again, and I ask you to come into my life and to change it." Help me to live the life that you created me to live. Even if life stinks, even if life is hard sometimes, God, I'm going to trust you. Because you are good. And I love you and I want to follow you. That song is saying right now, so I wait for you, God. I don't know what to do. I'm in my time of intensity. So I just wait upon the Lord. The Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord will raise up with new strength. They'll rise up with wings as eagles. God, we thank you over these last few weeks how you've spoken to our hearts through your servants. They conveyed your word through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that it was more than James 1.22, that we didn't just look in a mirror and say, oh, that's something I need to think about. I pray that we are living out what you've shown us, that you would help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.